0: This is a young team. We're on the cusp. They're hungry to get better. Pierce, running right, Spin move. Barrels his way down to the 41-yard line. What a run by Pierce. These are the type of guys, the type of men that we want in our locker room. Intercepted, Christian Harris. Game day is every day. Love the energy. Picked off by Stingley. Petrie. Texans have the ball on the pick. And if you want it, you got to go work. Now, it's Texans All-Access. Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program here on the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio at NRG Stadium. Mark Vandermeer with you. Drew Doherty and DP Sidhu are going to join us in the next segment. Plenty of OTA talk going on there, including but not limited to Texans opponents we'd like to see retire. That's kind of a memory of the Andrew Luck retirement in 2019. We'll get into that and a bunch of other stuff as well. But I wanted to begin the show with my good buddy, Russell Baxter. He used to work for ESPN and Chris Berman and has multiple platforms going at Bax Football Guru on Twitter. Russell, great to begin the show with you. It's been a while since we've visited. Let's get into it here. And sometimes we talk about the city that doesn't sleep, whether that be New York, Vegas, or sometimes Houston even with the third shifters. But what about the league that doesn't sleep? It never ends. I know you cover it all the time. I enjoy following you on Twitter. But the NFL machine never stops grinding, if you know what I mean.
1: I know exactly what you mean. I mean, ever since free agency became a big thing for the NFL, and actually you think about it, 1993 was really the advent of the free agency system that we know now. Not that plan B stuff for a couple of years and so on. But 1993, it's now 2023. We're ending our our fourth decade of free agency, Um, so many signings, still seeing signings today, Leonard Floyd going to the Bills and Rashard Perryman going to the Colts, and it never slows down. uh, It's been a great benefit for the NFL to be able to talk about this league 365 days a year and 366 next year.
0: Well, it's been a busy offseason for the Houston Texans, obviously. And just watching it from afar, hiring D'Amico Ryans, what they did in the draft with C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson to lead off, what are your thoughts on this franchise moving forward after the moves they've made?
1: Well, I I would argue they're certainly in the conversation as having one of, if not the best offseason in the league. And I'll go back to D'Amico Ryans for a second because I remember a couple of years ago, Uh, when things started to kind of come apart, uh, the Texans signed an abundance of veteran free agents, but it just seemed like a a lot of, well, it really lacked big names. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it it turned out to be a rough year for them and so on. I almost get the sense from afar, and, you know, you, you could probably know this better than I do. There seems to be an enthusiasm with the players to join this team, and I think it surrounds Amico Ryans. Um, you know, late You know, late. the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers, obviously a star player with the Texans franchise. The quality of the guys that they have brought in this year uh, dwarfed in comparison to the free agency class from a couple of years ago. You already alluded to the aggressiveness. C.J. Stroud and then Will Anderson would pick two and three. Um, I think there's a lot of excitement, especially in the division, that you, you you never know what's going to happen. You know, the last time Jacksonville won it was 2017. They followed that up with four straight last place finishes. And I like to remind people, Mark, that we had a year last year where half of the teams that finished in last place in 2021 made the
0: playoffs in 2022 for the eight. I like the sound of that. Russell Baxter joining us at Bax Football Guru on Twitter. That's B A X Football Guru on Twitter. Russell, this division could have three rookie quarterbacks as starters when you look at what the Texans are putting out there with C.J. Stroud possibly and Anthony Richardson and also Will Levis possibly in Nashville. We'll see how the year goes for them. That's kind of unusual, though, to have a division like that. It is a strange division with. Trevor Lawrence being the established salty veteran in year three.
1: And you know what's funny is I'll just for a second flip to the NFC South, which is a division which has all kinds of quarterback upheaval and well, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, with Carolina who could start Bryce Young as the rookie and Derek Carr coming to New Orleans and who knows what's going to be with, with the Buccaneers and so on. Who would have thought that Desmond Ritter would be the veteran quarterback of the NFC South as he begins his second season with the team. So I guess there's something going on with the South here as
2: mm-hmm. well.
1: But I mean, as you know, it was a really rough year in that entire division. Jacksonville got hot last year. I believe won their I mean, four and eight won their last five games. Uh Indianapolis and Tennessee both lost their last seven games. And of course the Texans won their last game of the year, but in the middle there was pretty murky and so mm-hmm. on so again the AFC South is to me is totally wide open and one of the things I always point to is even though the last three years Mark have been really rough with the Texans their divisional record is pretty good
0: yeah five and one on the road which is just bizarre and the AFC South will play the AFC North so what do you make of what's going on there because Obviously, a lot of attention paid here to Cleveland and Deshaun Watson and what what that's going to be Mm -hmm. like after he appeared late in the season. Lamar Jackson coming back. The Texans open in Baltimore. What are your thoughts on that division, Russell?
1: Well, I mean, it's been a division that that we have seen for many years, you know, going back and so on. Uh, It's more often a surprise, Mark, that they don't send two teams to the playoffs. We've seen them send three teams to the playoffs. Uh, You know, last year, Cleveland finished last again. They were in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Uh, Pittsburgh got hot late in the year. Uh, Cincinnati and Baltimore played each other in the wild card game. This is usually because it's such a physical division. And the Browns, with Deshaun Watson coming and getting a training camp this year and so on, opposed to what's happened with them personally and professionally the last couple of years, uh, and, and and I thought the Browns were did a very good job acquiring some d- defensive talent because that's been a big problem for them as well. That sometimes their numbers look good, uh, but getting Zadarius Smith um, in that trade uh, with Minnesota, I thought was a brilliant move because you know they have paired Jadavian Clowney with uh, with Miles Garrett. But Damian Clowney's almost more of an interior guy. He's not really an edge rusher. So mm-hmm. Darius Smith is pure ed, uh, edge rusher. And you put him with Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, to me, you know, probably on his way to, it's early still, but still almost Hall of Fame numbers. He, I mean, he's been absolutely outstanding. That You know, a couple gaffes here and there with uh, off the field and so on, or, or I should say on the field, if you know what I mean. Yep. But – his presence defensively, and I think they got some run stoppers in there as well. You know, there's going to be a year, and I'm not saying it's this year, Mark, where all four teams in one division are going to make the playoffs. I'll just throw that out there. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be this year. That's why I kind of giggle, and I know you've heard this mm-hmm. on the air. So on. Blah, blah, blah is the fourth best quarterback in the division. Well, what's wrong with that if all four teams make the playoffs?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very good point about the expanded playoff format and all it means. And you, you and I have not talked on the air since this has happened. The expanded playoff field and the 17 game schedule. And Russell, you followed this league for a long time. Russell Baxter joining us at Bax Football Guru on Twitter. Russell, what do you make of it? Are we going to go to 18 games? What do you think it's done to the league or is doing to the league to have the extra game and the extra teams in the postseason?
1: Well, we have seen other professional leagues, the CFL and the USFL, have 18-game regular seasons. The NFL has always kind of had, Mark, a 20-game block. You go back to the 70s for the most part um, when there were six preseason games and 14 regular season games. And for a while, if you were the defending Super Bowl champion, you actually played a seventh preseason game because you had to play the college All-Stars but they got rid of that series in the, in in the third quarter of 1976. Then we went to 16 and four. Now we're at 17 and three. I think eventually we will get to 18 and two preseason games. Um, I know some people are a little uh, bothered about, you know, a team playing more than once on a Thursday and so on. Um, I've been playing Thursday night football for quite a while here. Now I think teams have learned to adapt, but I think it's inevitable that we're going to go to 18 games. I mean, what I think needs to happen for that to be successful is you probably need to expand the rosters again. Uh, And more importantly, you need to put a little more emphasis in those preseason games. Uh, They need to be more warm-ups than exhibitions Um, because the one thing that has been noticeable for quite some time and especially how we have seen coaches handle the preseason the last four or five years, Sean McVay comes – to mine with the Rams, this idea that you you can get away with not playing your starters at all in the preseason, you wind up digging yourself a little bit of a hole early in the season, and then you spend a lot. Of time. That's why I think Mark, we have seen the league become so streaky. You know, you, you mm-hmm. see teams get off the great starts and fade. You see teams struggle out of the gate and then you get hot lately. So it's been it, it's been to quote the. Ray great Ray Stevens. That's why they call it the streak.
0: <laughs> Russell Baxter joining us on Texans Radio. A little bit of historical information here with Norma Hunt, the wife of Lamar Hunt, who founded the Kansas City Chiefs, originally the Dallas Texans. She passes yep. away. If you have any perspective on that for us, a lot of people forget that the Chiefs were the Texans at one point, but they played in Dallas right with the Cowboys when they started. And what the Chiefs mean to the league right now, are they the new Patriots? I don't see any other team really threatening them. Maybe the Eagles, but it's hard to say with the Chiefs having their run they're undergoing right now.
1: Well, what is it? Eight straight years in the playoffs, seven straight um, AFC West titles, five straight appearances um, in the AFC title game, three Mm -hmm. of the last four Super Bowls. I mean, there's still a long ways to go. But, I mean, New England, Mark, is such an anomaly uh, as far as that run goes. I mean, you know, the Dallas Cowboys had 20 straight winning seasons that's the the record from 1966 um i think to 85 84 85 or whatever but they they're re- or 60 mid, uh, let's put that mid 60s to mid 80s mm-hmm. okay so i don't want to get my number wrong there but they didn't go to the super bowls and the title games like the patriots did the last 20 something years and so on um you know andy Reid has had a a, a rebirth And remember that rebirth also began before Patrick Mahomes got there as well, Mm -hmm. didn't have the playoff success. Um, They still have to go a little ways, but there's no, there really is no one close um, to the chiefs right now, as far as what they've been able to do on consistent basis. You mentioned Philadelphia and they are kind of close. And it's funny because the, the Eagles have done it with multiple quarterbacks. The Eagles have done it with multiple head coaches the constant in Philadelphia, Mm. the constant in Kansas city is Andy Reed. The constant in Philadelphia is the general manager, Howie Roseman.
0: Mm. That's a great point. Great point right there. Uh, What about Russell rule changes? And the one I want to focus on here is the fair catch on the kickoff, which I know is a one-year thing, but I've kind of freaked out a little bit on the air about this. And I know we want to preserve the kickoff, maybe at all costs because, they want to cut down on injuries. They don't want to get rid of a kickoff in this game, but this seems pretty extreme to me. Your thoughts on what it's going to do to some of these teams, especially a team like the Texans, which is elite in kick coverage. What do you think of what's going on rules-wise in that department?
1: I, I understand the motive behind it, but I'm with you. I don't really agree with it and, and so on. I mean, they have done so much. To to make the game safer on special teams and so on, and, and I understand that, and I've seen the figures, and all that. But you know, you, you know, I, I was to me this is a case, maybe a little bit of a case of overthinking. It's it's kind of what the league has done with overtime. Um, you know, if you go back to 2009 NFC title game, and I know this isn't a safety rule, but still, sometimes there's there's so so reaction to things that I think. The league, you know, just reacts to certain publicity and so on. 2009, Brett Favre didn't get the the ball in overtime um, when he was with the Vikings against the Saints. Of course, he he gave the ball to the Saints at -hmm. at the end of regulation, but do people talk about that. And we've gone through different versions of overtime over the last couple of years. Um, I I think that uh, I get the feeling this might be a one-year-and-out type of rule. Okay? I mean Mm – Defense and special teams are still very important in this league. And I understand, again, the motive behind it. Uh, you know, but you, you can win games and you can lose games on special teams. We, we saw a really low-scoring game with the Patriots and the Jets, and it was a punt return that wound up being the, the decision in it. But if you're going to – listen, kickoffs, mm-hmm. football. How the hell do you have football without foot in it?
0: Got to keep the foot in football. I forget which coach said that. Russell Baxter joining us uh, at Bax Football Guru on Twitter. And Russell, you were with ESPN for a long time, and you have a lot of thoughts on media as well. Here we are with a playoff game being streamed this coming season, and we already have the Thursday night Amazon package. This is just evolution in sports media. But what are your thoughts as you consume some of the content, observe how it's going? You must have some opinions on this. Well, it
1: it is astounding that that it used to be that we relied, you know, 40 years ago, on watching football and the games we couldn't see, probably on Howard Cosell's halftime highlights for Monday Night Football.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, now you can look at your watch and watch a game. Um, <laughs> it, 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 I feel like Dick Tracy, What yep. you know, remember we had the TV oh, yeah. in his watch and so on. I'm yeah. dating myself as usual. Um, I don't. What I think has happened, though, is even though there are those who accuse the league of being oversaturated and all it and so on, the appetite for the sport just hasn't diminished whatsoever. You know, I hear people talk about ratings this, ratings that. People are watching football all over time, all the time, on all kinds of venues, and yeah. I think until that slows down. They'll be different. I will say this the multiple Thursday night game thing I know people are concerned about, and a lot of those are people who aren't a fan of Thursday night football to begin with. Okay, right. Um, but I mean, that listen, Amazon had it on last year. I mean, and they had a quality broadcasting team, obviously. Um, with Al Michaels leading the charge and so on, good production value. Um, until things get until things really sway, Mark, to a negative, I, I, I just keep on seeing the act expanding um, on all facets. Everybody wants a part of the NFL. I mean, it's, that sounds like an exaggeration, but really isn't.
0: Russell Baxter joining us. Russell, tell us about what you have going on in your various platforms.
1: Well, I, I'm in the middle of writing some historic pieces for fans cited, uh, and two of them dropped today. Um, players that were, played football in the wrong era. In other words, guys mm-hmm. who were front runners to today's, today's game. I, I did a piece on running backs mark. Um, and, and today we see running backs the running game took a little not a little hit. it actually took a big jump last year. We had, you know 16 players including Justin Fields, run for a thousand plus yards. that was as many as the previous two seasons combined. I bring that up because running backs have to do more of this. they have to run the ball, they have to catch the ball, et cetera, et cetera. So here's three names from the past to consider who played well before the rule changes. Um, Lydell Mitchell, Chuck Foreman, and Lenny Moore. So that's kind of what I'm doing in that regard. I also have a wide receiver piece that, that dropped. There's a quarterback piece coming out as well. It's good nostalgia. I love my history. And uh, like I said, a lot of stuff for fan sided. NFL spin zone, um, full press coverage. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, and you, you are kind enough to drop the handle, Uh, You get everything I write because I tweeted out constantly.
0: How would Jim Brown do in today's era? He recently passed a lot of discussion about him. He was so awesome. Retired early. What do you think of Jim Brown in today's game, Russell? He might be too physical for (laughs) for (laughs) (laughs) today. He'd hurt people. (laughs) Uh, You know, I, I think about him and people
1: talk about his lacrosse exploits in Syracuse and so on, but there's so many numbers you can do with Jim Brown. And to me, it's still astonishing to know that he averaged over 100 yards per game for his career on the ground. That's ridiculous. And he also caught his share of passes. If you take his total touchdowns, Mark, he played 118 regular season games and he scored 126 total touchdowns. And those totals, very much like Don Hudson, you know, who played from the 1930s to the 40s. Still ranks 11th in NFL history with 99 touchdown receptions. Those guys were so far ahead of their time. And Jim Brown, I, here's what I know. Everybody likes lists. Everybody likes debate. When people start talking about the greatest running backs of all time, I've yet to see a list where Jim Brown isn't included. Doesn't have to be one. You can have your own opinions about, you know, Walter Payton, Earl Campbell, M. Smith, Barry Sanders, whatever. Jim Brown is on every list.
0: Mm. I just think the way they throw the football today, and the way he could catch it, that dimension yep. of his game would be so frightening. Never mind oh, the run. Oh,
1: absolutely! I mean, he was like I said, 126 total touchdowns in 118 regular season games. Please give me a man who averages at least one touchdown
0: for his career. It's <laughs> crazy. A game. It's crazy. And 100 yards per game. <laughs> nice, Russell. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Let's catch up soon. You got it. There's my buddy Russell Baxter at Bax Football Guru on Twitter to check out all his tweets and multiple platform coverage of the NFL. Nobody knows it better at large. Also, DP Sidu and Drew Doherty. Next, let's talk OTAs, players we'd like to see retire, and preseason awards. We have to come up with names of the awards, not necessarily who's going to win them, but former Texans, how they factor into the way we look at things today. I'll explain next. It's Texans Radio. Texans All Access continues in a moment. Keeping your company on Texans Radio here. Mark Vandermeer with DP Sidu and Drew Doherty. And let's do this, folks. Bubble wrap. I want to know who's <laughs> going into bubble wrap because we hinted on this We talked last about week. this last explain week. Explain bubble yes.
3: wrap, though, for those that are scratching their heads right now saying bubble wrap, huh?
0: All right. Before we get to the explanation of bubble wrap, we'll also... Start naming some awards, not the winners, but the awards themselves, <laughs> name the name of the award as we get toward training camp. <laughs> so sad. Johnny isn't here for this, but he'll be back soon enough. And I know he'll want to weigh in on this segment. Uh, we'll do that as well. And in the final segment, it's around the league stories, including but not limited to what are the most profitable, the most valuable NFL franchises And the local one comes in in a very interesting spot. We'll get into that. But let's get into this bubble wrap. So I have said this before during training camp for the stars, right? Andre Johnson, back in the day, he'd always put up that amazing training camp practice in front of the fans. He'd be making sensational catches, looking like Andre Johnson. And I would say, bubble wrap. That means Sit them down the rest of the way. Don't need to see another thing here. Just keep them in shape and get ready for the season. I've said that about DeAndre Hopkins as well. And I'm wondering if there are some bubble wrap projections out there. Now I'm going to lower. I'm going to lower the expectations here because Andre Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, multi Pro Bowlers, right? So anybody I name for this camp will probably not be already a multi Pro Bowler. But I think it's worth preserving the health that currently exists with more than one player. I mean, with every player, obviously, but there's certain in particular that I have in mind. DB. The one
2: that I have in mind is a multi-year pro bowler. Oh, okay. Early bubble wrap, Laramie Tunsil. Oh. I do not need to...
0: I think he's already there. He's probably wearing <laughs> bubble wrap as we speak.
2: <laughs> he's just going to walk around with bubble wrap. I mean, I feel like you've got so much invested in your quarterback position. I don't want to see... I don't want to see anything happen to him. We were just talking about Derek Newton before the show started. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just takes one play to lose a guy like that. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of guys that you could put in bubble wrap, but I think with all the money you've invested in him and his contract and what he means uh, for the offense, I, I'd, I'd put him in bubble wrap. That's a good one. That's a I like good
3: that.
0: One. Drew, do you have one?
3: Easily. Easily. And, and this guy is the opposite of when he's on the field being in bubble wrap. But Damian Pierce, yeah. Yeah. back, I want yeah. him – to have as little contact with anyone as possible because I want him to save it, save that punishment that he dishes out and doles out and unfortunately has to take in, mm-hmm. in some form mm-hmm. and fashion. I, I want him in bubble wrap because he is so exciting and electric after what we saw hey, this time last year. Think about it. The yeah. very brief times that he he was you know doing stuff in OTAs, it's like, hmm, he's got a little something. And then you got to training camp before the games, and boy, he got to the second level qu- pretty quickly. And then he gets in the preseason games and just explodes. And we saw what he did in the regular season. I don't know
2: about you, but, like, I felt like in training camp, while he looked impressive, I was like, oh, okay, fine. He looks good, but we'll see during game action. I feel like still during the preseason games, that first preseason game where he was out, I I think we just saw him and thought, oh, my – Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Like he is the real deal. Lovey
3: sat him. Lovey sat, <laughs> he sat him the next wraps. game because he's like, we've seen enough. He's our guy. They he didn't li- say that, but basically that's what he was saying. He literally
0: yeah. bubble wrapped him. Yes, no, he, he didn't up. literally do it. He figuratively. <laughs> figuratively right. He I love it how literally is used. Literally,
2: years... he bubble. Wrapped. Well, you know, uh, Lamar Miller back in uh, the preseason game against Dallas, heart. like yeah. that does break your heart because he was just never the same again after that. Yeah. He had had such a phenomenal camp, so. Uh, a beloved a, teammate too. And he was yeah, he was just he was just having a phenomenal camp, just a big part of the run game. But I think when you see something like that happen, I'm totally with you. That game was a history
0: so changer because you lose Lamar Miller week three of the preseason in twenty nineteen, and then they had to make a move for another back. They got Carlos Hyde in a trade, and Hyde had a really great Which year. It worked out well. Yeah, it it did. You never know what would have happened with Miller. Would Miller have an even mm-hmm. better year, that many years in the Texan system or whatever the case may be? Maybe they did better off with Hyde. Who knows? But it does change history, and it forces you to make acquisitions that you might not normally make.
3: Think about that night. Not to veer off course here, but he gets hurt maybe on the th- what third or fourth play of the, yeah. that preseason yeah. game, and the wind gets sucked out of that Texan sideline. an line. awful game. Horrible, horrible, horrible. But I was just talking about this with my boys. They were asking me about it this weekend. Just a few moments after that happens, the tweet comes out from Adam mm. Schefter about Andrew Luck retiring. and
0: That was my best preseason memory ever. What a night,
3: man. What a <laughs> weird night. I forgot night. to do that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Favorite preseason memories? Andrew and Luck retiring. Andrew completed. Luck
0: retiring. Oh, my god! Think <laughs> gosh. about
3: that, though. I mean, it was that is game. wild. That was a, that was a, a weird, wild night. weird night. Because then you knew, you instantly knew. The division will go through the Texans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not yeah. necessarily gonna win it, but it goes to the Texans because they had lost their quarterback, the Colts.
0: I've got a bubble wrap player from a level below. Okay. Because right? Pierce, look, he was on his way to well over a thousand yep. yards. We know that. Laramie is Laramie. He's a multi pro bowler. What about Nico Collins? That's a good one. I cannot afford an injury to him because I think he is poised to have a really big year. I look at a bit practice, some of the catches he's making. Everybody freaked out about that social media posted video the Texans put up with Nico catching a ball from CJ Stroud. It was awesome. We've seen a lot of that kind of stuff out there, and he can catch the ball in traffic. His catch radius is big. He's got good hands. He's got speed. He's got it all. He's just got to stay out there. If he can stay out there with this offense, with this kind of coaching – gonna be fun to watch yeah. bubble wrap. Nico Collins. He looks a little
3: bigger, a little y- more yoked up, you know, mm. kind of by what he's been doing in the off season. So maybe, maybe the bubble wrap is helped out, mm. or that is a form of bubble wrap. The the bigger yeah. stature on his frame. Yeah, yeah and
2: I th- I think just with the injuries that he's dealt with, like every year he's always out for a few games here and there. Maybe that'll you know just help him out in the long run. Just getting a little bit of extra rest in training camp.
0: Okay. You had one more for, for me? All right, so you brought up Andrew Luck retiring, DP. So give me a player. You each get to pick a player that retires this preseason.
2: That you want to see retire? Actually, Not Drew- from
0: the Texans, obviously. <laughs> cool.
2: Okay. We want to see
0: an opponent retire. I have somebody very specific in mind that I I'd love too. to see retire. But I want to see what you guys think. And we could pick the same player. But you get to anoint somebody as a retiree Uh and no bad things happen they got a great severance package retirement package they're just not going to play it's for their own safety
3: listen this guy needs to stop playing because pantene needs a fantastic hair model so trevor lawrence Please Ooh. retire. That's a good one. You get your severance. You get your yeah. pay. But yeah. you've got your. The world needs you as a hair model more than they need you as a quarterback. Well, how about of this? The Jacksonville
0: Jaguars? How many more romance novel covers can Fabio that? pose for? <laughs> yep. Now you need Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. to be the guy on those covers.
2: Well, I don't think people are buying books anymore. They're just reading them digitally. I still but read. I, maybe I'm maybe the digital books. Yeah, they. still oh, have Oh, I to cover. see them
0: in the stores though. Oh yep. yeah. The covers are hilarious, and the titles are even better. The
2: I like how Mark's <laughs> gonna rattle some off. The
0: ranch keeper. I'm just making <laughs> a man right wearing now. a
3: blouse that's like puffy yeah. and like it's, un- it's
0: like so easy. And, and yeah. you know, the muscles are coming through, and the that's woman is in his muscles. arms like yeah. some flowers. <laughs> it's beautiful stuff. You must swim.
2: Uh, I don't know how to make this transition. I was going to <laughs> ask
0: for Fabio Derek. should retire. <laughs> I think he did.
2: Uh, Derrick Henry, Titans. He might be almost there. Yeah, he might actually, be there, yeah. with all the injuries he suffered. But he's every time, every <laughs> time the Texans play him, it's like um, a z- gazillion yards, eighteen mm. touchdowns, and you know it. And he still is able to to do that, other than the games where he's hurt and he doesn't play against the Texans. But I'm ready for him to retire.
0: That would be nice. Derek also, Henry what re-retired. would the Titans
2: do? I mean, the whole offense runs. Texans him. played
3: him well in Tennessee in the cold last year. Remember they they got Jake Hansen stripped. You ball. You know how many ball. yards he had. Yeah. How many? Like,
0: like 100. 150. That was a but slow day. <laughs> a key, key fumble at the, at the end of the game. I know, I know. And you're right. He's all they had that day. Yeah. So it was kind of like Which Jokic with yeah. with Denver, right? He scores a <laughs> bunch of points, but he doesn't get the assists. Doesn't get the help from his teammates. Yeah. And Miami wins game two, right? It was like that with Henry on Christmas Eve where he got a ton of yards but it wasn't the 200. Remember holding him below 200. We're putting up a banner by the way. Held Derrick Henry below <laughs> 200, 200. No, yards. we're
3: not the Indianapolis Colts Mark. Can't <laughs> do I know. that.
0: Put up a banner for that one. But Who's your bubble wrap? I was going to pick or the retirement, you mean? Yeah. I was going to retirement. pick retirement, excuse me, yes. I was Forever gonna, bubble wrap. Yes. Yeah, yes. I was, bubble wrap Derrick Henry. <laughs> no, I was going to retire Derrick Henry because he's the most frightening Mm. non-quarterback I've ever seen play against the Texans on a consistent basis, even worse than T.Y. Hilton. yeah. And T.Y. Hilton was pretty bad. T.Y. Hilton he's retired. it's one and two. (laughs) As far as non-quarterbacks that have terrorized the Texans, I feel like every time we face them, Darren Sproles is another guy who would make my top five. Just cannot see him anymore. Obviously, you won't see him anymore. I hope Deuce Vaughn doesn't replace him, although he's going to be in Dallas. I kind of wanted... Kind of. I was very vocal about wanting the Texans to take Vaughn. I figured once they took Tank Dell, that was it for the diminutive killer players, right? You're only going to take one per draft, and it was Tank Dell this year. Uh, but if I'm going to get another pick here and a player to retire, I'll go to the Colts. Mm-hmm. And do I want Quentin Nelson or Jonathan Taylor? You guys pick. B.
2: I was. He's, he's my 1A and 1B. I, I want to retire all the running backs. Had he
3: not gotten injured, you could have also gone with Shaq Leonard. Shaq Leonard, I know. He was really on a tear there over that span of however many games. I mean, just he would always come up with, it seemed like, with a forced fumble or a fumble Mm -hmm. recovery or a
0: pick. Oh, he's a Texans killer. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like for his safety, he should retire as well, Shaq Leonard. No, in all seriousness, though, I think he's in a bit of trouble here health-wise. You know, you hope for his sake he can get back, but... Uh, you know, I hate to make fun of people's health situations. We're just having fun. here.
3: But I would go with Taylor. Uh, that if from yeah. your original question, that's who I would go with. He's just because so he's awesome. more notable, you see him more than you do Quentin Nelson. Not to diminish Quentin Nelson's you know, effectiveness or or value, but I would go with Taylor.
0: There was a time when I thought James Robinson was going to do that for Jacksonville. Like he was going to be this terrorizing running back for years, and then they get ETN, and all of a sudden James Robinson is expendable and doesn't really amount to much. Now, it's not over for him. He could always come back and do something, so we'll see. All right, awards that we want to give out eventually. The Training Camp Star Award. We need to know, and I don't mind getting people's thoughts on this, at Texans Voice on Twitter if you want to weigh in. But the camp star, every year there's at least one or two stars of training camp. And we're not at training camp yet. We're in OTAs, and nobody can see OTAs, right? But they're going to be able to watch training camp practices, a lot of them. So should it be named... The Travis Labhart Award <laughs> or no, the no, no, Lestar no. Jean we, we Award? we got to save
3: Labhart for another award that I just thought of okay. since we started this. So that's – right. Labhart is off the
0: board. So should the camp start – and preseason games can be included. Yeah. Should be probably. But it's, is I still Lestar have a Is different... Jean the guy who's going to have the award named after him? Do
2: people remember Lestar Jean well? T-
0: seasoned – and you don't even season have to be Texans
2: that. fans will for sure but you got a lot of younger fans kind of coming into the fold now.
3: and i think the guys and gals over at the battle red blog they named or nicknamed Lestar jean campstar Camp Star jean. Jean. Oh, Camp and Star Lestar, jean. Lestar did <laughs> he did wind up catching on and playing a season or two and he caught a touchdown pass but yeah he made his bones in august mm. and really put up big numbers and big plays in august but you know once september rolled around you were going to andre johnson you were going to jacoby jones and Kevin Walter and those guys, ahead, and Owen Daniels as a tight end ahead of, of Lestar for the most part.
2: I think you have to also have an award for an undrafted that really makes his name. Yep. Mm. So whether that's AJ Boyer or Arian Foster, but Arian Foster didn't really do a lot in camp, right? It was more after
0: it was all right. So this is 2009. Time. He's a rookie. The team had proven that they could run the ball with a lot of different types of players. Ron Dane in 07, mm-hmm. 06. Well. 07 for the most part, and then you had Steve Slayton in 08, and he was coming back in 09. So you thought Slayton's going to be the guy. Led the AFC in yards from scrimmage. So Arian was just a guy. A guy. Yeah, he was, a, he was, he was on practice squad
3: until like mid to late November that
0: year. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe
2: that's an award—a guy that seems very unassuming in but becomes camp, a superstar. But becomes a superstar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would that's define like, a, that's like that looking that way. into looking into the future. I still
3: my, my first impressions of Arian Foster remain early. September, walking through the locker room to talk to somebody. Maybe it was Andre or Schaub, that end of the locker room, and just Arian Foster sitting at his locker, kind of watching the media walk past with not an amused look, but just sort of a, hmm, what's going on here? And I do, that's what I, my first memory of him, more so than anything on the field. I don't remember anything during training camp or the preseason no. games, not to take away from what he was doing, but nothing that's, stood out. Nothing stood out, but then. <laughs> Boy, he stood out once he finally started getting the ball.
0: I'm gonna go look up his numbers in the preseason games because I don't remember him really flashing mm-hmm. in those preseason games. But so, they clearly saw plenty it to put him on the Slayton, practice squad. It
3: was Chris Brown, C H R I S Brown. Yes, there was Chris Henry was in there. You also had Ryan Moats had a game, you know, with 100 yards against the Bills. Ryan Moats did some things. Very
0: good recall,
3: Drew. He was about the fifth Moats award. Arian Foster was about the fifth running back in that rotation yeah. eventually. And then he you know, in December he, he changed minds and, and changed thoughts. But there were a lot of guys that had their chances before he did.
2: What if we did like an offensive and defensive? You could make Arian the offensive Arian Foster yeah. ward and then do A. J. Boyer for mm-hmm. the defense. I
0: like AJ Boyer. I liked a good him
2: one. a lot too. And I felt like he also didn't really flash that much in camp.
3: Oh yes, he well did he? not in, in the camp, pre- but remember pre-season? the preseason he, Yeah. he, he, he picked off a pass it against the Cowboys up there, and then... In his rookie year? His rookie year, and then danced on the star, and w- oh, he, he was... Uh, not Wade popular. Phillips was not happy about that. No. Wade was not happy. No. Yeah.
0: Uh, but the year he really blasted off was 2015, yeah. right? He, he really, was outstanding. He really took off that year. I think there should be a Kareem Jackson Award, too. And this is for a highly drafted player who doesn't look so hot the first year, and Kareem took a lot of grief, but then becomes this long time i don't want to say star but just huge contributor sure. and he was a star here i mean let's just call it what it was on a team with a lot of really good players he was one of them yeah. and he had k jack tv and everything and i don't know who that would be this year again we're not naming the award winners we're just naming the awards the themselves. awards to be named but I'm, I'm gonna have a kareem jackson award I all know.
3: right i gotta hop back in with my idea here because right. every like twice a year i make the joke about mark that he has a fetish for ranking the top preseason moments yes. in Texans history. We made him yes. do it
2: once for an exercise yeah. and he had so much fun with he it. He loved it. He's
3: done it many times. He's written yeah. like probably about four different It articles was like over a joke article
2: so and he really like whipped whipped a whole article out. So
3: the Savage Lab Heart Award goes <laughs> uh-huh. to the best preseason performance play, play in oh. team history.
0: In preseason,
3: as you remember, in 2014, Texans at Broncos Mm. in the preseason. I wrote. I say, as you remember, as you've probably forgotten, anyways, (laughs) Tom Savage led the Texans on a touchdown drive to win it at the end. I think they got a two pointer in there as well, but he hit Travis Labhart, and uh, yeah, the Texans left Denver victorious. All right, so I'm
0: looking at last year's preseason. The Rams game was a pretty good game. Jeff Driscoll throwing a six yard touchdown pass to Johnny Johnson that's right oh yeah to put the Texans ahead and enable them to win 17-13 was a huge moment in franchise history <laughs> preseason Is it games. a Savage Lab Heart award winner, though? Uh, no, it's not, because that was on the road against Denver and Peyton Manning watching on the sidelines, right. and they needed the two-point conversion to, to win. win yep. Bill goes for two, because if you don't make it, you go home. Well, if nobody's you, playing overtime. You're going home no matter what. Nobody's playing overtime.
2: I know he's only in his second year, but we have to name a Damian Pierce award for the same reason. Like, there's going to be a guy that really shines during a preseason game.
0: And then backs it up during the season. And then backs it up during the season. So I
2: I would like to have an award named after him.
0: Okay. I've got notes on all of these, and we will (laughs) read. Wait,
2: I've got one more. I've got one more miscellaneous. (laughs) A miscellaneous award. Um, Maybe we call it the Segway Award. Do you remember... Back in 2013, Arian Foster gifted all the O-linemen segues. Right. Yeah. And everyone was racing up and down.
0: I thought you were going to talk about things that are no longer allowed on the facility's <laughs> oh, property.
2: Oh, may- but that wait. is per...
3: Okay, there's a big myth out there that what? O'Brien came in and banned all this. He did not do that. That was a an safety? NRG Park...
2: <laughs> <laughs> safety violation. ...law
3: that came up that the Texans had been breaking. Those guys had been breaking that law. Yeah. And they kind of got... Re- finally, they got reminded, listen... Can't do these. It's a liability issue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, got to get off. I, those, kinda, some
0: of those guys are flying down the yeah. sidewalks on the way to practice. And
2: they're huge. I was like, how are they not? How is Dwayne Brown not tipping over? Mario Williams
0: looked eleven feet tall looked, on a mm. Segway.
2: Well, uh, the, the purpose of the award isn't to name things that are going to be illegal. <laughs> it's more a camp oddity that you look back and say, "Oh, that's oh, so yeah. 2023." Oh, like like yeah. The bicycles from two years ago, when all the offensive coaches were riding bicycles. Mm. Like, Danny Barrett
0: is still here, and he's still on a bike.
2: He is. He started it, and then I remember. Um, I remember talking Pep. to Lovey because Lovey was the defensive coordinator. And I said, why is it that all the offensive coaches have bikes, but none of the defensive coaches have bikes? And he said, well, I don't know. I just like to get my steps in. But I thought I that was too. very strange that only the offensive coaches. But there's going to be something that comes out in camp this year that
0: I am is tempted, unique to any other camp. I'm tempted to bring a bike this year and just roll it right here into the studio and then right Why out. not? Yeah, Don't need a lock. Yeah, To have a bike go up and down the ramps, you know, do it that way. Green Bay style. See how it goes. Have a kid ride it. Oh, wait a minute. You ride the kids. but I don't know <laughs> what happens. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks. Coming up, Colts investigation. Interesting. Also, value of the franchises. How do the Texans stack up against other sports franchises in the world and in the NFL? It's next here on Texans Radio. So much to do, so little time here on Texans All Access. Johnny should be back tomorrow, and we'll have an OTA practice tomorrow to talk about as well. Some other things to discuss from around the league. The Colts are reportedly undergoing an investigation. Not the team, but a player on the team not to be named yet anyway. And Mike Florio reposted this from SportsHandle.com. I don't go on SportsHandle.com ever. Florio's attitude about this, and I like Mike, but the attitude about this, the NFL and its teams have not done a great job of educating players about the clear rules and stern consequences of the gambling policy. Look, they've said what they've said. There's a difference between what this player is accused of, allegedly, and, say, placing a bet on the Masters or something, which you're really not supposed to do, by the way, as a league member. And I don't bet. I'm not allowed to bet either, by the way. But this player is reportedly under investigation for placing bets on the Colts. I don't know which way, but one way or another. So that goes a level deeper and you've got to be an idiot to be in this league and not understand at least that it's one thing. And look, it's very clear not to gamble at all. When you're working for the NFL or for an NFL team, very clear, just don't do it, but Some nuances, I can understand the confusion of, hey, I bet on cricket in India. I didn't know that was a problem. It was on a website, whatever the case may be. Even that's unacceptable. But to bet on your team, hello, McFly. Look, these players are too young to know about Pete Rose and things like that. But they are briefed on the rules. Trust me. So we'll see where this goes. It's in the early stages. Just broke today. Another thing that broke over the weekend, the Forbes list of the most profitable sports franchises in the world. And we've seen the Forbes list of the most valuable sports teams in the world. This is profitable. And how do you think the Texans stack up in this little ditty? Very well. The Cowboys are number one, followed by the Patriots, Tottenham Hotspur, the Knicks, Man U, and then the Texans at number six on the planet. Most profitable. This I don't want to say it surprised me. It doesn't surprise me that the Texans are so valuable. But to see them as high as sixth on this list, and it's not just in the world, it's in the NFL, right? You're the third most profitable team in the league. That is fantastic stuff, and it shows you the value of the franchise in a market of this stature. Houston is such a dynamic economic market. So that shouldn't be a shock to us that the Texans are so valuable and profitable in a market like this run the way they are. And I know on the field, it hasn't been so great in recent years. I don't have to go over that, but headed in the right direction for sure. What other NFL teams are in the top 10? The giants check in at eight and the Rams check in. They're out of the top 10 at 11. And that's all I have in front of me right here. One thing to point out, though, and I always look at this on the Forbes list as well the Texans are the only team to be as ranked as high as they are with never having won a championship. And it says something about the way the organization has been run from a business sense over the course of its history. Now, to you listening, you're thinking, I don't care, Vandermeer. I want championships. Believe me, the McNairs want championships. Everybody wants championships. They're working on it, and they'll continue to work on it tomorrow as OTAs continue. We'll have a lot to say about that. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night. This show is going to be up on podcast soon enough. Go Texans!